0: an Illness. Hey Shannon, how you doing? I'm great, how are you? I'm great, I'm excited because we have a special guest. I know, it's very exciting. Um, Jen has uh, married her expertise as a medical writer and her extensive experience as a patient and to help people with new diagnoses and i'm really excited to hear more about it
1: yeah me too i've um i've admired jen's work for literally decades her writing and uh and i bought one of her guides that she'll be telling us about
0: and it's fantastic that's awesome so welcome jen thank you yes yes Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience, uh, you know, sort of what brought you to this? Yes. So I uh, have been a a patient for
2: far too long. (laughs) Mm. Uh, In 2007, I was diagnosed with stage three non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, went through chemo and radiation, made it to remission, got to see my kids grow up. Wow. And then in 2020, I was one of the first people to get COVID. I call it COVID Classic. (laughs) And (laughs) shortly thereafter, (laughs) yeah, shortly thereafter, um, my heart, the electrical system of my heart shut down, like stadium lights at at the end of the game. And I wound up with heart failure and a pacemaker. Um, The way I like to describe it is that. Uh, chemo and radiation filled the barn full of dynamite and COVID lit the match. Mm
0: -hmm. And now
2: here I am. Um, So I have a lot of experience as a patient, but as you said, I also have experience as a medical writer because in between those two major life events, I became a medical writer because who better to write about what it's like to be, you know, get a biopsy and and get a PET scan than someone who's had multiple (laughs) Of right. All of these things <laughs> and can tell you what it's like, not just from a logistics point of view, but from an emotional uh, mm-hmm. point of view as well. So I combined the two of those to create books, f- ebooks books for people who were are just diagnosed and Google, which I don't recommend <laughs> uh, <laughs> because it's unfiltered information.
0: Right. And I, I filter it for you. That's amazing. I just feel like it's so generous for you to take such difficult situation and help other people with it. You know,
2: I'm, I am I want to take the loneliness out of illness. Mm. It's extremely important to me, both for the people who are sick and for the people who love them. Just this weekend, uh, a, a friend of a friend contacted me because his wife is very sick. Um, and they had reached as far as they could reach. She wasn't getting any better, and he wanted some advice, and Mm -hmm. I helped him find uh, better doctors, other places to go, more information. I did the research for him, so why not open that up and do it for as many people as I can?
1: Right. Right. Oh, my gosh, that is so generous, though. Uh, I'll share, this is Janine Jan. I'll share that my husband also has electrical problems in his heart and Mm. was diagnosed with heart failure, so that that was the guide of yours that I bought, uh, the book that I bought, but um, uh, yeah, it's such a journey of of the unknown when you're a patient or someone who loves a patient. And getting um, that kind of information that you provide in such an accessible format is Tremendous, I can imagine, I, I, it wasn't bra- available at that time. I don't think, I didn't have it yet, but I could see reading that uh, in an iPad at my husband's bedside and it would have been handy at the hospital.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I started with heart failure. Um, you know, when I when I got heart failure, I Googled it and found something I had written for NYU Langone <laughs> five years oh. ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thank you 2015, Jen, it uh, <laughs> <laughs> really helped me out. Um, But I started with heart failure, not only because of my personal experience with it, but because I keep seeing on heart failure boards on Facebook over and over again, people Googling it and scaring the heck out of themselves, because the statistics about it, about the survival rates and whatnot, are low online, but they're also very old Mm -hmm. (laughs) and incorrect. So I started there, and it was very important to me. Um, I have not yet written a guide about cancer. At some point, I hope to run out of illnesses that I've actually had and start working (laughs) on some
0: other ones. (laughs) But the next one is lymphoma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like having a friend sitting next to you, guiding you
2: but that's exactly the point. It's that you know, you get diagnosed or someone you know gets diagnosed with something and you start asking your network, who do we know who's had heart failure? Who do we know mm-hmm. who's had lymphoma? Whatever it is. Right. And you hook them up to talk to each other because there's there's nothing like talking to another patient mm-hmm. who's been through what you've been through. Um and uh, they just you know, I, I I used to say that it's like wandering around uh, the middle of China and you run into an, a fellow American. <laughs> you just understand each other. You get right. each other. There's a shortcut to the way you talk to each other. And there's a feeling of understanding and and compassion.
0: I'm curious, in your experiences, um, did you sort of bump up against perfectionism as you're trying to navigate your uh, illnesses and health crises? Oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah, (laughs)
2: so the first time, not the second time. I learned the second time. The, The first time when I had cancer, I was 40. My kids were eight and 10. Um, I was the soccer coach, I was the class mom, I was, uh, you know, also a writer, I had a career and all of these things at one time and, you know, going 90 miles an hour and (laughs) getting everything done and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I couldn't do it anymore. And I had to learn very quickly what was really important and what was not because I didn't have the energy to do everything anymore and so I had to learn how to do energy triage mm. because do you want to spend your time uh, or your energy with limited energy you have when you're sick uh, cleaning the toilet or <laughs> you know, right. any a number of ridiculous things that we have to do or do you want to spend it uh, just spending some time with your kids or Um, you know going to dinner with friends I I just learned very quickly to do that energy triage and it was better for me and was better for my family and so that the second time around when I was sick of course that was during the pandemic and no one was doing anything or going anywhere (laughs) it was actually a relief because I didn't have to go anywhere or do anything it was forced is you know sitting in my house right forced rest And it kind of gave me uh, more time to come to terms with the idea that, okay, you know, with the cancer, it was curable, but this is a chronic disease that I'm always going to have. And I had Mm -hmm. to wrap my brain around it. And also, some days I feel better than others. So it's that same energy triage, but I'm doing it moment to moment, day to day, and it's never going to end.
0: Do you have any sort of specifics on how you do that energy triage? Is there you know, some questions you ask yourself? Or how do, you, how do you figure that out?
2: It's a matter of, again, looking at not only how much energy you have in a day, but let's be honest, I don't have as much life left as mm-hmm. I did before all of this. So it's a matter of values. Uh, when I uh, die, uh, on my deathbed, when, I, w- when I'm at the end of everything, do I want to look back and remember the trip that I'm about to take with my brother to San Diego because he won something from re- for real estate and I'm his plus one? Do I want to <laughs> put my energy into that ridiculousness? Yes, I do. Thank you very much. <laughs> I will do that and then put aside a couple days around it to recuperate because... You know that's gonna take a lot out of me. It's my first time on an airplane since the before times and now I've got a pacemaker in my chest. So this is gonna be interesting through TSA. Right. I know that that is well worth it and way more worth than packing on work the day I get back or other things that I used to do.
0: Right, we talk about that a lot, like knowing what's important to you and, and making decisions around that.
2: But your decisions have to change. You can't, you know, I
0: just think that we, as, uh,
2: people who are, have perfectionist tendencies have s- still twice as much on their to-do list as other people. And mm-hmm. they don't realize it. <laughs> so <laughs> they just don't. And so I have been forced to relax. Uh, there were days, like now I feel much better, um, but f- there were days when I couldn't work past two because I was mm-hmm. exhausted And I just had to learn not to push through it and lie down, take a nap, play a game on my phone. Right. And just take care of yourself. Yeah, I don't know why we don't know how to take care of ourselves. I think that the pandemic, though, has changed that. Um, people are reevaluating what's truly important mm-hmm. and uh, realizing that we we were really up until 2020 we just behaved in ridiculous way <laughs> <laughs> We did and it's, it, true. It, it's true it's <laughs> true and I think that the pandemic made us all realize you know what why are we doing this much and right. so we do less, I have the added benefit of going, well, I've got heart failure, I'm going home. Yeah, (laughs) you know, I I play that (laughs) card, I'm done. Good night. We can do more of that now. I think everyone understands it better.
0: Yeah, and I think that that the sort of the ridiculousness of, of expectations has really changed, both from other people as well as for ourselves.
2: Yeah, I saw it here. You know, I live at the Jersey Shore and used to go for long walks, still do, go for long walks on various boardwalks. And during the pandemic, I was just like, who the heck are all these people? (laughs) 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 You know, I've always worked from home. I'd go for a walk on the boardwalk. There'd be nobody there on a Tuesday. And all of a sudden, everybody was there. (laughs) And, you know, I just probably not trying not to kill each other at home, but uh, you know, people were working from home. There's still a lot of people working from home because our train station uh, parking lot used to be full all the time. These are you know, people commuting to New York. They're, they're still home. A lot of people are still home mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. changed the way that they do things. And I
0: think it's much healthier
2: that we're all just walking on the boardwalk on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My husband is still uh, 50% of his week is work from home. Um, and actually, his company gave up their yeah. office space oh. for this part of the business. And um, it's sort of amazing. Like, they never thought they could do it.
2: They never thought they could do it until they were all forced to do it. And now right. it's fascinating. Gee, you know, and it cracks me up as a right. I mean, I've been writing from home for 30 years, so. Why, I don't understand what's so hard about working from home. <laughs> I used to do it with children running through and, you know, throwing water balloons at each other and I still managed to get it done. So I think it was great to force people into it because, yeah. uh, it, you know, everyone came to understand that you get to be yourself. You get to relax. I, you know, you can get up and lie down in the middle of the day. Right. <laughs> nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, and it's cheaper for the employer to, to give up office space. I mean, there are so many benefits to it that we're
0: forced that there were employers are forced to realize. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. Well, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about um, supporting someone who has a new diagnosis or a chronic illness, for that matter.
2: Yeah. So those are two different things, and mm-hmm. I have been those two different things. So. Uh, we, as Americans, and I probably other, other nationalities as well, um, we are really good at go fight win. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is up against a diagnosis where there's a chance they could be cured, as i.e. the lymphoma that I had, mm-hmm. where you're going to go through hell and back with chemo and radiation and whatnot, people are great at supporting that because... It's go fight, win, it's short term, we'll cook for you, you know, for a couple months, but then we're going to lose interest. Mm-hmm. And when you have cro- a chronic disease, it, it, people, it, I don't know if they don't mean to, or uh, they just lose interest. And they are afraid to ask you how you are, they, they disappear. Right. So if you are supporting someone who's sick and they have, uh, you know, something that's that short term, You know, the logistics are often what we need the most help with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, But also, I think for both chronic and for, you know, acute conditions, we need your help emotionally as well. And one of the things that I've been teaching people is don't tell people how to feel by using one of the platitudes that we have all been taught how to use, such as be positive and stay strong Um, everything happens for a reason all of those things really don't make people feel better all you need to say is how is it for you today and then just listen and -hmm. the reason for that is because sometimes you feel fine and you don't even want to talk about being sick Mm -hmm. and sometimes there's some major issue I've got surgery tomorrow and I'm really terrified And if I tell you, you know, be strong, I'm telling you how to feel and I'm invalidating your true feelings. So
0: just ask people, how is it for you today? And then listen. Well, and I love that phrasing because it's not how are you today? How is it for you today? And it creates a little space where it seems to me, if I were asked that question, it creates a little space where I can be more honest and just instead of just saying fine or okay or whatever.
2: But that's the other, exactly, it creates safety because that's the mm-hmm. other thing as a patient, we never know what we're gonna get when we answer those questions. I had one friend who came to visit me when I had cancer and she cried the entire time and I had to Jeez. take care of her.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, <laughs> you know, people say awful things and I, and, I, and I am on a mission to say, it's not enough to mean well. You have to do better. And to do better, you can't just, you know, drop a lasagna off and run away. There's (laughs) more to it to support people. And if you are nervous, I actually had a medical doctor tell me that he had a friend who got cancer and he didn't know what to say. Oh, wow. So uh, I'll tell you another thing not to say. And that's if there's anything I can do. Because that mm-hmm. phrase is homework. Because mm-hmm. now I'm the patient, and I have to come up with something for you to do. Instead, think of something. Suggest something specific. You know, for instance, I know that you're going to chemo next week. Do you want me to drive you there? And of course, not just anyone can ask that. You don't want right. <laughs> you don't want something <laughs> like neighbor you barely know taking you to chemo. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but you, you know, anything? To, uh, can can I uh, cook something for you this Friday? We're making such and such. Not. You know, I'd like to, you know, can I cook for you sometime? Be yeah. very specific about what you're offering.
0: Right. I, that is so uh, helpful. Um, I know because when someone says like, oh, you know, let me know if there's anything I can do. It's like, well, that's just feels like a dump load of nothing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because it is. And we can do better than if there's anything I can do.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. So, Jen, what other ways did perfectionism show up for you? Maybe as a patient or um, even now, as you're, you know, dealing with your chronic condition? Ha.
2: So I feel like I have um, been cured of my perfectionism. (laughs) Yay. Uh, Just like I've been cured of cancer. um, Because there's just no room for it. Now, That doesn't mean that I don't still try very hard and do a lot of things, but um, I don't push myself like I used to because I can't, Mm -hmm. because my body has proven time and again, it will push right back. So um, when I was younger, though, when I had cancer, when I was 40 and raising kids, I had to learn to let go of some of my perfection perfectionism around parenting
0: Mm. and
2: um, which is funny from the author of a book called you're a good mom and your kids aren't so bad either (laughs) 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 where I was telling everyone not to be perfectionists (laughs) there was somebody who wrote a review of that book on Amazon I believe it's still up that said that I was just like just to the left of a, you know, of a super mom that, I, that, you know, I really wasn't somewhere in between and she was probably right. <laughs> um, and so after I had cancer, I, uh, it's took me, it still took me a couple of years to just chill out a little bit more and just not be all things to everybody all of the time.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm sure, um, really staying in touch with what was important to you helped make that a little bit easier. I have no choice now. Yeah. (laughs) I really, I have
2: no choice. And there are days where uh, I'm tired and I'm like, gee, why am I tired? Because you have stage three heart failure, you idiot. (laughs) That's why you're tired. (laughs) And you can't do the things that you used to do. And so sometimes when I'm feeling better, I forget how sick I really am mm-hmm. because my doctor's done a phenomenal job of turning things around for mm-hmm. me and I bop up and down the stairs and d- 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 and then I have to remind myself you know what I, I I have to like almost schedule in sit down for 10 minutes mm-hmm. or you don't need to take that out to the that huge box and break it up and put it in the, to recycling today it's not recycling is not until next week. I put things off, I I take things off my to-do list, and I lie around sometimes and just watch movies from the 80s, and that's okay. (laughs) That is very healing,
0: movies from the 80s. Yeah, (laughs) the Breakfast Club makes everything okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because you are really experiencing these direct consequences, and Other people think that they're not, but the stress of trying to be perfect is going to create consequences just a little bit further down the line.
2: It's gonna create physical consequences Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. if your cortisol levels are raised all of the time, at some point, your body is going to collapse or push back. Mm -hmm. And you may be healthy enough and young enough to pull it off now, but you're not gonna be able to do it forever. So why put your body and your psyche through that when you got to think about the long run? I mean, it really is. My my son was a a, a star cross country runner, and I think that you know when you run a short race, it requires a different set of skills than when you run a long one. Obviously, mm-hmm. and so you need to just be thinking about I'm you know um, on this long course and there's mud and leaves ahead, slow the hell down. That's your life. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things you talked about a lot is don't Google stuff. Yeah. Um, so I had to have, um, a, some an imaging study done this morning Mm -hmm. and with the new laws, um, your results are released to you immediately. Yeah. And without, you know, the doctor's review of them first. So what do I do? I Google what it's, what the radiologist said immediately.
2: No, (laughs) that, that, that
0: idea. What, what would be a better idea?
2: So, um, And I'm saying this as somebody who loves that because I'm a medical writer and I do Mm want to Google it and I do Google it and then I ask them all kinds of questions about the studies that I found and this, that, and the other. So (laughs) let me me be transparent on that. I love it. Um, However, if you do not have a medical background and you are reading these things and you Google the words, you're going to scare the heck out of yourself Mm -hmm. because there are... For instance, if you get a blood test, let's say, and it says, uh, you know, something in particular is elevated and now you're terrified, it must mean I have cancer, it may also mean you're just dehydrated. And right. you're not going to know that because you don't have that experience. So you asked me, what should you do? You should not look at it until your doctor contacts you to explain it to you and or if you have someone medical in the family your very own medical enforcer have them look at it and explain
0: it to you yeah i'm i'm lucky in that my husband is a doctor so there you go. i also texted him a screenshot of the results and he called me immediately yeah, exactly
2: that is the answer everyone should have their own doctor in their family that's the answer
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, Janine, do you have anything else you want to ask Jen? Well, I have a comment
1: which is that one of the things that I love about your question to ask a sick person of, you know, how is it for you today, that we didn't that popped into my mind is that it allows the sick person to just avoid talking about how they how they feel if that's what they want to do. Or it allows them to talk about whatever they want. Whenever I think about sometimes if i'm asked about something that's hard sometimes i just don't want to talk to that person about it and i'm happy to talk with them about you know the latest baseball game well not that but uh, <laughs> something <laughs> my dog <laughs> so i love that question very much i'm going to remember that question probably forever jen
2: it, it's extremely important because if you are sick and you haven't seen somebody else yet and they run into you at the supermarket and now you have to talk about cancer for 10 minutes when you just want to buy bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that uh, how is it for you today, gives you the, ex- exactly like you said, gives you the excuse of just talking about your
0: kid's soccer game.
1: and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a brilliant phrase.
0: Yeah. Well, and in that example, I could imagine just saying, just buying bread today. Ex-
2: yes <laughs> and and then everybody who is asking the question should just take that as good for you, yeah, and not a follow up question, but
1: really, how are
0: you <laughs> right <laughs> yeah well, Jen, is there any anything else that you want to share with our listeners?
2: Yeah, I would say that if you are um somebody who's supporting someone who's sick and you have perfectionist uh, tendencies you are going to burn yourself out because we tend to think well the other person's sick therefore i have no right to feel anything but strong and hold up everything for the entire family Mm -hmm. and that is going to take you down and then you're going to be useless to the sick person you might even be sick yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give yourself some grace and get yeah. cut yourself some slack. Even though you're not the sick person, you still have a lot of in your, on your shoulders and the,
0: acknowledge that for yourself and take some time. Yeah. And that and um, the comment you made earlier about your friend who came in and like, cried the whole time when you had cancer and you had to take care of her it reminds me of that concept of the um I think it's called the circles of grief where I don't know if you're familiar with this or not but like when you're going to support someone you support them and then when you need support about what's going on with that person you don't talk to them about it you talk to someone who's like one One step step removed removed.
2: yes absolutely um you can't it, it, way too often I found that I was taking care of people who came to visit me in the hospital
0: mm-hmm. as
2: though oh I know it's very upsetting to miss the, to visit the oncology floor let me make it easier for you right right. 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 and so when I was in the hospital for COVID slash heart failure I thought it was great that no one could visit me because I didn't have to take
0: you didn't yeah. have to manage anything oh huh. I mean that's great and also sad that we do that to people i did that to myself
2: because i took that on yeah if i had known then what i know now i would have taught people to treat me differently and that's exactly what i did after covid and heart failure Mm -hmm. i told people basically what i needed um if they said things like stay strong i would say no i have other plans today
1: (laughs) and explain to them (laughs) why
2: Because if I don't teach them, they're not going to know. And, uh, you know, we don't know because we're not taught this. So that's my job is to let everybody know this.
0: A woman well, on a, a mission. mission. Yeah, on a what mission. a gift what to well, all of us on all sides of this experience. this experience. I don't know. If cancer is a gift,
2: where can I return it, you know? <laughs>
0: no, not a gift, not you having cancer, but what a, what a gift teaching people educating people in how to be present when they're dealing with a health issue or they're caring for someone supporting someone with a health issue that's the gift you're sharing
2: and i think we can all do it for each other just one one little step at a time you don't have to know how to do it all at once just one little learn one little phrase learn one
0: little thing and then someone else will learn that from you yeah it's wonderful Thank you so much for being with us today, Jen. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Oh, Uh, we should ask
1: uh, Jen about how people can learn more about her. Or maybe you're about to do that, Shannon.
0: Yeah. Uh, And the guides. Or the books. Yeah, so would you like to share um, how people can find the guides? Yes,
2: you can. find more about the Just Diagnose Guides at JustDXGuides.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Jen Singer. And you can follow me on Instagram at JustDXGuides.
0: That's fantastic. And we'll put those um, in the show notes as well. So people don't have to remember them. (laughs) Um, And We'd love to hear from you, our listeners. Are you supporting someone with a, con- a chronic health condition? Um, are, are you going through one yourself? How do you manage it? You can let us know on Facebook or Instagram at Getting to Good Enough. On Twitter, we're at GTGEnough. You can call 413 424 GTGE, that's 4843, and leave us a voice message. Or you can head over to gettingtogoodenough.com and leave a comment in the show notes. Until next time, this is Shannon Wilkinson in Portland, Oregon. And Janine Adams in St. Louis, Missouri. And we hope that good enough is getting easier for you. It's going to be really hard, but I'm going to try to stop Googling my health stuff. <laughs> but you, you have a
2: doctor in your family. <laughs> You're all set. Yeah. yeah.